What are you two hooligans doing in this hospital? Ma'am, we are surgeons and we are here to operate. We're just waiting for a starting time. That's well, you all. You can't even go near a patient until Colonel Merrill says it's okay. And he's still out to lunch. Look, Mother, I want to go to work in one hour. We are the pros from Dover and we figure to crack this kid's chest and get out to the golf course before it gets dark. So you go find the gas passer and you have him pre-medicate this patient. Then bring me the latest pictures on him. The ones we saw must be 48 hours old by now. Then call the kitchen and have them rustle us up some lunch. Ham and eggs will be all right. Steak would be even better. And then give me at least one nurse who knows how to work in close without getting her tits in my way. Oh, oh you fool. How do you want your steak cooked? Whistling ashen, slightly bedraggled Last time I saw her she was howling at the moon Roaming the forest, lupine rabbit Welcome to the Nightfly program. My name is Dave Juskow. Nice to see you. Or nice to talk to you today. In the month of May. I'm still rhyming all the way from last week. All the way from the Too Close for Comfort last week show. Oh, that was a hell of a show. Tell your friends. Oh, boy. Well, this coming out on Tuesday, May 11th, 2021. The year of our Lord. <laughs> Our Lord, who doesn't seem to care about human existence at all. But, whatever the case may be, this Tuesday uh, tonight on the Comedy Cellar Nightly Show, we will have Matteo Lane pretending to be Liza Minnelli. Now, that should be hilarious. And uh, this week on the Billy Joel program, actually, uh, actually, you know what, let's just uh, get started with this. We'll... Uh, Turn down our little Tears for Fears action and uh, get started with the show. How are you, everybody? Yeah, I just uh, figured since I was just going through the what's happening in the Nightfly Dave Jessica universe, this Tuesday, Matteo Lane, pretending to be Liza, let me tell you something. It was He's been really annoying, Matteo. You know, I discovered Matteo, and now he's like, Dave, you're, you know, you're asking too much. And I'm like, I'm asking you to be on the show. You can say yes or no. It's just because I think we're taping the episode early on Tuesday, so I'm a little worried it's not going to be live. You'll see it at 7 o'clock if you watch every week, but we're taping it at 3 in the afternoon. Not that you needed to know any of those details, but I just thought I'd tell you. I'm a little uptight about it. I don't have another guest to go with Mateo, so I'm, I'm just very confused about this week, and it is bothering me, and I'm getting sleepless nights over this. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine this? I mean, what would I do if I was on an actual real show? But... I'm looking forward to it either way. The week after that, I have comedian Wayne Fetterman talking about his new book, The History of Stand-Up Comedy. Now, that ought to be interesting. He was just on The Tonight Show a week ago. And the week after that, we have our good friend Wendy Liebman will be joining us. I believe that's on the 25th. And then the next week after that, we'll be musician and comedian 
and star of Glow, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, Jackie Tone will be joining us and uh, an American Idol winner. The reason why I uh, decided to ask Jackie Tone to be on the show is I was (laughs) watching, it sounds like I watch it all the time, I guess I, I do on occasion, but I was watching The Nanny and she was on it you know, when she was really young in the nineties and I was like, wait a minute, she looks familiar. And of course I looked it up and, uh, then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give her a call. I'm going to give her a call. That's from the big picture. And that really great actor who died really young. I'm going to give him a call. I got to find that clip somewhere. It's the stupidest thing and why anybody would remember it. I mean, just, well, again, look, this is why you either like or you hate the show. I mean, the fact that I remember this small line in the big picture, the first Christopher Guest movie, is weird. And to think that I'm going to say this and people are going to remember it, and of course it's even weirder, but I guess that's my entire life of comedy is that I say stuff from the movies and a lot of people don't know where they're from. So I just get the credit for it, and there's no reason to tell anybody because they would be like, where did you pull that from your ass from? Or they do get it, and they're like, is that from that? I'm like, yes, it is. I didn't think anybody would know. So then you have a bonding experience as well. There's really no way to lose, I guess. The worst part is when you're having a serious conversation with somebody, which Rachel hates, and I just keep comparing it to, well, you know, the same thing happened in The Devil Wears Prada, you know, and then she's like, ugh stop and i'm like well i thought you would like a comparison to a chick movie she's like oh god i've never even seen it she gets so angry but uh also what i was telling you in the billy joel a to z universe this week this is a well this is a crappy uh (laughs) week i think i think it's bad i keep telling elon we should always have a week where we have a song at least but we're just going through it we're up to this week where we you know, have finished the A's with Angry Young Man. I hope you liked last week's episode. I thought it was kind of fun. Again, I'm hearing them back. I'm really enjoying them myself. Uh, so this week we have our guest, our first guest, Christopher Bonanno. So I've been, if you've been listening to the show, Christopher Bonanno's made a ranking list of every Billy Joel song, 121 Billy Joel songs in 2015 for New York Magazine. And we go by his ranking every week. I try and make Elon guess where he's going to have the the songs written and um and then we just ganged up on him and just said how can you have all my life at 12 you know which is really fun that we just came he was nothing but nice and it was exciting that we were able to call him up and have him on the show so that's our first guest you know it's like a 20 25 minute conversation just like all of the uh, rest of the shows and then we have the a's wrap-up where we you know can talk about our plans and take a viewer comment what was that uh, from Letterman, I guess? Uh, but no, people that that tell us stuff in, in, uh, in DMs, you know, and Instagrams and things like that so we can talk more to the people that are listening and just have a discussion about Billy in, in a different way than just talking about a particular song. And then next week, we'll go back to the bees. I believe it starts with Baby Grant. I think it's Baby Grand, Big Man on Mulberry Street, and then Big Shot, if I remember correctly off the top of my head. And that is loving the Billy Joel A to Z podcast. I'm doing so much editing work on that podcast 
that I actually tried to get a job as an editor for a sports podcast last week, and I don't know whether I can get it. I don't know whether... I mean, I think I'm pretty sure I can edit stuff as good as anybody else. I'm good at video editing, and I'm good at audio editing at this point, but, you know, who isn't? Isn't a five-year-old good at that at this point? I mean, I've been good at it since I was in college. I've been good at it before college. I used to edit Super 8 films, you know, splicing film and taping it together. So I've been doing this my whole life. It would be good if uh, I think I would have to move to Vegas. But as you know, I'm planning on moving anyway. So, But not there, I don't think. I mean, that would be a problem for somebody who likes gambling, right? And not the, the table game gambling, you know, just the sports stuff. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I can do it in Jersey, too. So what's the difference? I don't know. Whatever. I'm going to take a little coffee if you don't mind. Thank you for waiting. So, yeah, the, so uh, the reason, uh, by the way, that I had, that I asked Mateo to be on the program was because our friend Scotty Gornstein was in New York Magazine. No, he was in the New Yorker. Uh, last week I saw an article in the, the paper about it, New York Magazine, New Yorker. He sent me the article, and it's all about him when his tweet called Liza Outlives on Twitter. Liza Outlives on Twitter. And he put together this thing of all the people Liza's outlived, you know, like the Bill and Melinda Gates marriage and, you know, whoever dies. And they were talking about how he seems to be like he knows stuff before TMZ knows it, which is Scotty's always been good at. So I asked him to come on and I said, it would be funny if we get Mateo on as Liza and we'll have some fun. And he was like, no, I can't. I can't. I can't do it. it it's too mean to Liza. And I'm like, Liza hates you. This is the perfect thing to do. Liza's been mad at him for like 10 years, but he's still so in love with Liza that he doesn't want to do this. And meanwhile, as I told him, I'm like, you understand Mateo worships Liza the way you do. It's just an imitation, and it's a pretty goddamn good one. So he saw the imitation, and he was like, no, I can't. I can't. And I'm like, you're a sissy. <laughs> Which... Um you know, I was really upset. I just thought this is a perfect way to, he's just so, I still think he thinks Liza's going to, on her deathbed, say, bring me Scotty. I need to talk to him. But what am I going to do? The poor kid is, uh, he's upset. And he's very upset that Liza doesn't care for him anymore. He went too far. Even He was her publicist for a long time, but he's still her, he's still her publicist in a way, not, you know, in a way, but she, she, I think, I know she loves the fact that he looks out for her, but, you know, I think she's also like, he's too much, which would be uh, like the way I am with somebody, and I'm trying to think of an example. Who's somebody that I worship? I guess if I met, uh, I, uh, I don't know, when, uh, when Adam Schlesinger was alive, maybe him, I was all up in his ass because he's so fucking talented and awesome. I suppose it's the same way, but I was able to cool it and we could have dinner together and <clears throat> what I thought would be a lifelong friendship thanks to COVID, you fucking jerk off. I hate you, COVID. But they had a live streaming event for him uh, last Tuesday or Wednesday. Sarah was on it. I just, I couldn't even take it anymore. I'm having trouble listening to his songs as it is. It's just such a waste. And it's like not his fault, you know, it's COVID. 
how do you get mad at something that's just exists like V'ger in the original Star Trek movie? Yeah, <laughs> pulling stuff out of your ass. Speaking of which, so I'm actually doing a live comedy show next Saturday. What is that? The twelfth. The twelfth. I'm doing an outdoor comedy show at the Westside Comedy Club. Now, get ready for this. They told me, well, this woman who runs the Westside Comedy Club told me, I can't do my show if I don't have a woman, a black person, or some sort of diverse person on it, and I hit the ceiling. And I hit the ceiling because, because you know, I've always... I, you know, again, I, I've been a, a forerunner of putting shows together with women. Uh, I've, I've been on the precipice of this uh, revol- revolution of, of women in general. And I've never, al- although I am clearly prejudiced in some shape or form, I've never been prejudiced when it comes to comedy and putting black or Indian or anybody that is funny... I would put on my show. I don't care. That's the one place I'm not prejudiced. What I mentioned multiple times, how that is the only place I guess I have a diverse relationship with people is, well, either work or my work in comedy. And that's the only, that's, what are you, you going to do? You know, that's where I know uh, diverse people, as they call it these days. And I was just like, I don't want to be told who I can have on a show. All right, this one, I just, it, it just so happened, I, it's, it's all white guys. All right, what are you going to do? It's never usually like that. You know me. I want Rachel or Olga or somebody. I'm just talking about girls in general at this point. Or Marina is the, the perfect person, of course, a black woman. So it's just me, Natterman, Brian Scott McFadden, the whitest of all white, and Elon. So it's just Jews and other stuff and and this Felicia Madison who, uh, you know, just was like, hey, you can do a show, but you got to give me a spot. And I'm like, "Uh, I like her balls since she's in charge. But then she was the one who said, I just can't, I can't put a flyer together that doesn't have like a black person on it or something. I'm like, whatever. So we got this Indian girl, Zarna, who I like a lot, who I was going to use for the mall show anyway. But I just, I don't want to be told that I have to. You know what I'm saying? I get what they're trying to say, and I said, all right, with the next show, I'll keep that in mind because that's what all this is about, right? If you have to have diversity in hiring, like in football, well, you know, in football, it's I think it's really different where they make you interview black people. I mean, let's just say it. It's black people. They make you interview. You have to interview a black person, but that's a league full of just, it's all black, and it's they're, they're right about that. But again... They're forcing you to interview, which I, you know, you, you have to be aware of that. But, you know, I, the, the, the point is, is that you, it has to be in your mind. So now that somebody told me, you know, if somebody had said, hey, we're trying to be more diverse at the club. Now it's in my head and I'll do that when I'm coming up with a show. But if they're telling me they can't do the show because this particular time when I didn't know this was the case, when I put the show together... I have to have a black person on it. Fuck you. Fuck you. Not just black. It could be anyone. So we got an, an Indian woman. Well, I guess that is as diverse as it comes. I, I'm going to have to call this woman every time. Now, she's great. She does the job, so it's perfect. 
But I was just going to be like, oh, just get anyone you want. I don't know anybody. Because, you know, I mean, I don't want to put on... Now, this I'm not considering this a quality show, so I really don't give a shit. If they told me at the cellar I had to do that, which I can't imagine they ever would, but I because, well, it's never come up because there's a lot of diversity at the cellar and I just don't have an issue with it. This is like the one thing in my life I am diverse about. You know, I can call out my law firm, my fucking two-faced law firm from two years ago, and thank you very much on the anniversary of, uh, of me getting fired. Appreciate that. Hello, everybody. But I can call out that two-faced law firm where we're sitting in a meeting with the managing partner and a bunch of other people, and he's saying, we got to be diverse, and they didn't even once you know, hire anybody that's diverse. There was a lot of talk about it, but please... All they kept doing was hiring uh, the the Yamaka Jews for the you know I mean it was it was it was ridiculous. You can talk about it a hundred times, but if you're not going to actually do anything about it, then you're two faced. But again, I just say that's part of the conversation. But don't be a dick. Don't just say we have to hire. You know, we're just like, well, let's keep it in our minds. I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, it's okay to hire, but you just want to hire the best candidate, no? But that's not where we're going with this. That's the problem, unfortunately. And for me, again, you know, that's where prejudice for me goes out the window. If somebody's completely qualified and awesome, because you just want to hire the best person, you can't just go around putting on comics that suck, you know, because you already have that in me. I'm an awful comic, but people put me on anyway. We don't need more of them. <laughs> Anywho, I don't know. Obviously, that really ticked me off. Where I, but but because I've been aware of the way I have been acting lately, I didn't fly off the handle. I relaxed and I said, let's just, you know, let's think about this what you're doing, you know, because I wanted to be like, you know what, then take your stupid show and shove it up your ass. And I say, you know what, this is crazy. This is my first time performing. This woman has been very nice to me. Let's just relax, take a beat. Uh, I called her about a half hour later and I said, I just wanted to thank you for letting me even do these shows and perform. And she goes, wait, where's the butt after? I'm like, no, no, no. I wanted to be sincere. So I'm trying to make some progress in my flying off the handle nonsense, which of course has uh, led me to a riff with my sister and uh, maybe my nephew. I, I don't. I don't even know whether my nephew cares or not. But certainly, my sister's not talking to me anymore. As a matter of fact, it's so bad. She's giving me the uh, the Godfather two treatment. I haven't got a lot to say, Mike. We have time. I was kept pretty much in the dark. I didn't know all that much. What about now? Is there anything you can help me out with? Anything you can tell me now? You got potentially, that's all I can tell you. I didn't know it was gonna be a hit, Mike. I swear to God, I didn't know it was gonna be a hit. Johnny Ola bumped into me in Beverly Hills. And he said that he wanted to talk. He said that you and, and Roth were in on a, a big deal together. 
and that there was something in it for me if I could help him out. He said that he said that you were being tough on the negotiations, but if they could get a little help and close the deal fast, it it'll be good for the family. You believe that, Stone? You believe that? He said there was something in it for me, on my own. I've always taken care of you, Fredo. Taken care of me? You're my kid brother, and you take care of me? Did you ever think about that? Huh? Did you ever once think about that? Send Fredo off to do this. Send Fredo off to do that. Let Fredo take care of some Mickey Mouse nightclub somewhere. Send Fredo to pick somebody up at the airport. I'm your older brother, Mike, and I was stepped over. That's the way Pop wanted it. It ain't the way I wanted it. I can handle things. I'm smart. Not like everybody says. Like dumb. I'm smart and I want respect. Is there anything you can tell me about this investigation? Anything more? The Senate lawyer, Kristad. He belongs to Roth. Sato. You're nothing to me now. You're not a brother. You're not a friend. I don't want to know you or what you do. I don't want to see you at the hotels. I don't want you near my house. When you see our mother, I want to know a day in advance so I won't be there. You understand? Mikey. I don't want anything to happen to him while my mother's alive. My sister's making sure nothing happens to me while my mother's alive, thank God. But, oh, when she dies, it ain't going to be good for me. I'm pretty sure my sister said, when you see our mother, I want a day, I want to notice a day in advance so I won't be there. Because it's Mother's Day tomorrow when I'm recording this. So I said, you know, I haven't talked to my sister since the uh, my nephew incident. And I said, do you want to do like a brunch with uh, Rhoda and I'll bring down some bagels and logs and all that kind of nonsense, the good stuff. And she goes, no, I'm taking her to my house. She's getting her hair cut and then I'm taking her home and you can have dinner with her if you want. Boy, in my face, that, that, that text basically said, when you see our mother, I want to notice a day in advance so I won't be there. You know, everybody I've told that story to, they actually say that I'm not at fault with this one, which is different for me. Normally, it is my fault, but not this time. Not really. Again, could have handled it better, but surprised at this reaction. I don't know. I don't really care that much. She's mean, but she really is like uh, Michael Corleone. Mr. Corleone. That's uh, if Paul Lynn was in The Godfather. Michael Carleone. I don't like doing business with you. 
you and your whole fucking family. <laughs> oh, maybe I got to do God, a reading of Godfather 2 so I can do him as Paul Lynn. Except I just like doing the regular imitation anyway. But it would be much funnier as Paul Lynn, I think. I don't want you to contact me. Well, they're very similar, I guess. I don't want you to contact me again. Well, Kay, I didn't know you were out here. <laughs> I'm trying to get it right. Now, the price of the gaming license will be $200,000, which I'd like you to put up. Oh, no, no, that's it. Now I'm doing the wrong. I'm done to Michael Corleone. He says I'd like you to put up personally. But anyway. So I went to see my mom Thursday instead. I'm not going to go see her Sunday. I don't want to have dinner with her. Nobody, I don't ever want to have dinner with her. I have lunch with her. You have lunch with your mother. Nobody else had dinner with her. It's not a Jewish holiday. Meanwhile, I was going to make her some uh, food this week, you know, with my meal prep. I'm making this imperial chicken, and I'm making these pizza roll-ups that I make. And I just found out that pesto, basil pesto, has milk in it. So, oh, wait, it doesn't matter. Oh, right. I have, oh, what am I thinking? I keep thinking I have meat in it. I don't have meat in it. It doesn't matter if it has meat because I'm using the morning start farm. So, oh, thank God. I was like really worried. I'm like, oh, I can't give her that because the because go figure the pesto has milk in it, which I didn't realize. But um, it's an all not meat dish. So we'll be okay. Oh, good. Because I want to give her, uh, you know, if I give her two of my one of my lunches and one of my dinners, that's like a, a four day meal for her. So perfect. We was, I was there this Thursday, and we went out to the diner, and I had a cheeseburger. When was the last time I ever had a cheeseburger at a diner? I know, I'm never one of those people that have. I don't go to the diner for cheeseburgers, and I don't like to. Besides a grilled cheese, I usually don't like to pick up food, but it was delicious. God, I love that diner. I don't know why. Also, I talked to the woman. It looks like the mall shows are going to be on outdoors. Just don't know when, but I talked to the head, like a higher up woman yesterday. We had a nice conversation, and it uh, looks like the mall tours can continue. As long as just got to get one out of our, off our, what do you call it, on our belts or uh, something to uh, progress the rest of it. And then, you know, we could have a good time. You know, we could all get out of here a little sooner, you know. Oh, yes, I do have lots more to tell you today. Let's see. Oh, yeah, last night, right? So I, I don't know my eating habits. Have I'm not doing the Nutrisystem anymore. I don't know what to do. So this week, I just I wasn't on anything, right? I didn't want to cook or anything, so whatever. And so last night, I didn't have any plans. And I'm like, well, I'll order dinner because I'm making dinner tonight. Like, I'm just going to have spaghetti. Very excited about it, too. And then Sunday, I don't know. And then Monday, we're cooking for the week, right? So, so last night, I got, you know, I got a little high, but I got too high. And, you know, then I have to go downstairs and get the food, you know, which makes me very uptight. And because the place is directly across the street, I'm like, I'll just pick it up. Because what, I mean, it really is an extra 30 steps to get the food so I save $7 in a tip. So I'll just go across the street and get it. But still, you know, when you're high, that's a big chore. So I go downstairs 
and I'm okay. And I'm just like, let me just take it slow. You know how it is. <laughs> I'm like, let me just take it slow. And when I run into people, I'll handle it. And I walk out. And I didn't realize how high I was. You know, it was, it was an accident. Usually don't get that high just by myself. And I went outside and everything was fine. And I got to the place and I picked up the food. When I came back, I saw the guys at the front desk, which I guess I, I just kind of gave a wave when I left. But then for some reason, again, I was so high and I felt I needed to do so. I did a little jig, a little dance. Hey, hey, hey like this, like, just like this stupid move that I thought for some reason I needed to do to, to validate going in and out. And that's the issue with the doormat. You know, you just can't, you know, you, you, that's the problem with going downstairs. You know, you're going to see people. It's like, really, you can't just put on a bathrobe and slippers and go downstairs. You know, it's a big to do. And then I get in the elevator with this woman I hadn't seen since COVID, right? And, uh, you know, I know her and her husband. We're not close, close, but I haven't seen her in a long time. I go, boy, I haven't seen you. Did you go away? And she goes, no, I stayed here. I'm like, oh, it's just weird. We hadn't run into each other in a while. And she goes, well, you know, my husband had two strokes during COVID. I'm like, he did? And, uh, you know, she's like, yeah. And he's like, away. And I'm like, wait, he passed away? No, 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 he's in Italy. He's he's no, he's gone in Italy. I'm like, he's gone? She's like, no, no, he's just in Italy. He's gone. Like, I got everything wrong. And it was like the worst thing to hear because then I was eating all this food and I'm like, oh my God, if he had strokes, maybe I should I mean, it was like the worst thing that could happen when you're just trying to have a dinner and enjoy what's left of your life and this you know, the odds of meeting this one particular woman whose husband I know very well and apparently had two goddamn strokes. Oh, my God. During COVID, I'm just waiting. I mean, I can't. And yesterday, then, I don't know what happened. I mean, I just ate. I just couldn't stop eating. It was one of those days, you know, and I haven't had one of those in a long time. Like I told you, something went something went wrong. I guess I just smoked too much or something. I was like, I finished the, like, I got sushi, I guess. And then I finished it. And I'm like, I'm still hungry. And I'm like, no, but that'll pass. And then I had some uh, cookie dough, I think. And then I had some, those and Andy Cap hot fries. And then I had a Pop-Tart. I'm like, what is going on? What is this? I never eat like that. I never eat like that all at once. I'll have all of those individual, individual items at one time. But I never eat all that together like I'm pregnant. That was weird. Am I on steroids again? I don't know what that was weird. I hope that doesn't happen again tonight because I, I don't know. Maybe it's just going off that diet or something. It's just I, I started going crazy again. It's never like that. Oh, I don't even want to tell you the other part. All right, I'll tell you. No, it was real. I don't know what happened. I put frosting on the pop tart. I mean, how? Oh, oh my god! But that's obviously just high shit. But I was high for so long, and I wasn't like totally full and i didn't get a stomach ache after which is even weirder so what is that all about and i was watching i clicked on this horrible movie called into the woods which is just the absolute worst this steven sound time he, he just needs to be stopped he's awful now that could be heresy in some circles you guys know i love broadway and I love good music and, and love myself a good show tune. But 
I can't stand Stephen Soundheim, and I don't know why that is heresy because his songs suck. And I mean, his early stuff is fine. I, I, I believe he did Gypsy and all that kind of right because they're they're regular show tunes. Some people are, and then but the stuff he did as he got older was into the woods or what is the, the, the I don't know other nonsense he's put together where it's half opera and half singing. I mean, it just sucks. They're not songs. And it stinks. And I've hated Into the Woods since the 80s. Because I used to live next door to these people that worked on the show. So I finally watched this movie because I'm sucking into it because I, I worship Anna Kendrick, as you know. And I'm going past the movie and I see it and she's on it and she's doing something. And I like seeing anything she does. And she sings. And she's got the best voice out of anybody in that fucking movie because they're all actors who don't really sing. She's so talented. Anna Kendrick, she's a really good singer, not like these other people. Like, you know, she's like, you know, like, I don't know. Well, this is the problem, you know. It's, all right, so let me, let me just play a little of this absolute nonsense. And I'm sure there's some of you out there like, what are you talking about? This is amazing. You're crazy. He's a very smart prince. He's a prince who prepares. Knowing this time I'd run from him. He spread pitch on the stairs And I'm caught on unawares Well, it means that he cares This is more than just malice Better stop and take stock while you're standing here stuck on the steps of the palace All right, what do you want? Have to make a decision Why not stay and be caught? Should I give that a thought? What would be his response? Where where is this song going? Where's the where's the melody? Where's the fun? Where, could you could you ever sing along to this? This is like a joke. What the fuck is this? And they're all like this. There's no songs. This is so stupid. This guy should take a lesson from Adam Schlesinger, who's the fucking greatest, who knows how to put out a melody. This is awful. Except for her voice, which is for me magical <laughs> i also think she's so hot but this is awful and when the other actors think of me are singing that aren't you know they can carry a tune like me uh, the, you know they're not it's not as good as this because she her voice is really good and i guess that's who it's made for but this like this guy's like writing a neil simon play it's it's like he's just telling you everything that just happened, like the way Neil Simon does in every movie. So so what are you what are you saying that uh, that we we came here today and 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 then we moved into this apartment together and then no so wait, what what is what does he do? It's like so first you're telling me that we moved into this apartment together and then we're sharing it, but we both got screwed by your ex boyfriend who in fact doesn't even know that you have a daughter that happens to live here that's also going to school. I don't, you know what I'm saying. They always like, all Neil Simon's play, this is why he's stupid too. They all just explain the plot over and over again in a play. It's just horrible, right? It's really stupid. And that's all this guy's doing. So I'm out on the steps and here I am with my shoe. And he's just, I mean, this is stupid. This is like, I might as well do this now. I can make my own Stephen uh, Soundheim one. Uh, so I'm talking into the mic. But are the people listening? Here I am every week at the microphone. And I'm looking at my paper. 
Wondering if there's anything interesting at all on it. Will the people like the show? Are the people always angry? Why am I so worried? But you know, everything will be fine. All the people they know, all the people they like the show, don't panic. Wait a minute, I haven't had a sip of coffee in a while. Do they recognize that? What will I do? I, I mean, this, 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 I just did the exact same thing. It, it wasn't that bad either. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I know Howard Stern does that a lot, I think, on his show, but he's not pointing out that it's Stephen Soundheim. I, I, this is not my cup of tea. And quite frankly, at this point also, I never, ever want to see Meryl Streep in a goddamn musical. The woman does not sing. She sings okay, like me, you know? So it ain't great. And they always give her all these songs, like in the ABBA movie. They give her the biggies, the biggies, which I'm like, no, 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 you suck. Bring on somebody who's got, who's really going to take us somewhere, like Adina Menzel or something. I know having Meryl Streep in Into the Woods or in the, the ABBA, the Mamma Mia is the greatest thing you can do, but no, dub her voiceover. Meryl Streep, as you know, as we all know, is one of the greatest actresses of all time, but she is not singing. This is not Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick is both. Meryl Streep is not. And Meryl Streep needs to do what she does best, which is this. Where are the belts for this? Uh, Why is no one ready? Here. It's a tough call. They're so different. Mm. <laughs> Something funny? No. No, 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 nothing's, you know, it's just the, both those belts look exactly the same to me, you know, I'm still learning about this stuff and, uh... <laughs> this stuff? Oh. Okay, I see. You think this has nothing to do with you. You go to your closet and you select, I don't know, that lumpy blue sweater, for instance, because you're trying to tell the world that you take yourself too seriously to care about what you put on your back. But what you don't know is that that sweater is not just blue. It's not turquoise. It's not lapis. It's actually cerulean. And you're also blithely unaware of the fact that in 2002, Oscar de la Renta did a collection of cerulean gowns. And then I think it was Yves Saint Laurent, wasn't it, who showed cerulean military jackets? I think we need a jacket here. Mm. And then cerulean quickly showed up in the collections of eight different designers. And then it uh, filtered down through the department stores and then trickled on down into some tragic casual corner where you no doubt fished it out of some clearance bin. However, that blue represents millions of dollars and countless jobs. And it's sort of comical how you think that you've made a choice that exempts you from the fashion industry when in fact you're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff. Oh, burn! Oh! oh, oh. Woo-hoo-hoo! She really gives it to Anne Hathaway. Good. Oh, man. 
Oh, boy, is that a good... God damn it. Listen, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I'm not gay. But come on, that kind of writing and that kind of performance, how is that not great? That's great movie making. That dialogue is unbelievable. That's, I mean, that is a really good movie scene in the history of movies. That's good stuff. I mean, really, that scene alone. It's, that scene is good movie making. You have the best actors of all time in Meryl Streep, unless, unless we're now, because thanks to Cove, we're considering Frances McDormand, since I think she's won more best actress Oscars than Meryl Streep. I mean, she's pretty good. You got the best actress of all time, and you got this, uh, and she's playing a character, which is, uh, you know, again, we've talked about the choice and character of her instead of being this monster, but playing it very slow and quiet. And then, you know, you're in the fashion industry, which is, you know, the thing about movies, like you're in fashion, so we don't know anything about the fashion industry, but we're learning something about the fashion industry. So... When you know, it's like watching The Godfather, and you're like, Oh, I guess this is how the mafia works. You know, there'd never been a movie like that before where you know you heard about the mob, but you didn't see the how in, how smart you have to be to plan stuff and think moves ahead of your opponent until The Godfather came out. And so, this is this is it, right? I mean, all right, so it's a little less manly, but it's like you're we're learning how the fashion industry works. I mean, isn't that fascinating? When you're sitting there going like, wow, what I picked out today was picked out from a pile of stuff from people in this room. <laughs> See, everything is better with Paul Lynn in it. Now, I'm just saying those two things look alike. Oh, you don't think this, you don't, you don't think this involves you, you little punk ass kid. Well, I believe it was Yves Saint Laurent or Oscar de la Renta who said Cerulean is the new blue. <laughs> Oh, that's good movie making. <laughs> oh, I wish uh, Paul Lynn just died yesterday so I'd be really popular and just doing my Paul Lynn imitation, but no one cares. It's unfortunate. I don't know if I ever had a kid when I'd be like, listen, I got to show you Paul Lynn because he's terrific. And they're like, why? Because I do a really good imitation of him. So just sit here and watch all these Paul Lynn movies and then just uh, force uh, force my kid with uh, toothpicks in his eyes to watch it so he just becomes gay. <laughs> Daddy, I love Paul Lynn. You're right. He's terrific. <laughs> Put a little clockwork orange action on him. Uh, oh, God. Okay, right. Two other things. Oh, I do have much more to tell you. Okay. 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 Stay tuned because uh, she, this first or the other thing. Okay. All right. Where do we go? Uh, I'll go to this first and then I'll go to the second thing second. Um, no. Shit. I can't decide. Okay. I'm going to go to this first. So. I have a new uh, thing on my fire stick that I get all the London shows, you know, live. BBC News and Channel 4 and all that kind of stuff, stuff I love, you know, seeing, you know, one in the morning, it's uh, six o'clock in the morning there, so I watch the morning shows and stuff like that, like Good Morning Britain and stuff. I love it, right? That's what I've been waiting for. So I just got this on my fire stick, and I'm very, very excited about it. I love this shit. I love, I'm sitting there watching Cheers, but on Channel 4 UK, and and for some reason, it just makes me really happy i can't tell you why i i like it i like london and i like british stuff right so i'm watching this game show that said it was on because the only reason i know it is from that movie about a boy with hugh grant where he brings in this kid and they watch this show called countdown 
And I didn't even know it was a real show, but apparently it's a huge British show. It's like, you know, I guess it's as popular as Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Jeopardy here. So I watched it the other day, and boy, is this show fascinating. First of all, all it does is show how smart and intelligent British people are to us. We just look like dicks. And Jeopardy, we still look like dicks. You may know so, but there's something about us that we're just, we just don't seem as bright. Maybe it's the accents. I don't know what it is. But these people are so smart. So I had this show called Countdown. And basically, it's just a word jumble show, but they, the way it's presented just seems really intellectual. It's very quiet, like Jeopardy. There's not a lot of applause and stuff. And the, you know, the guests seem very intelligent. Of course, like I said, it could be just like Jeopardy in a way, but it just seems more easy and fun and they don't take it seriously and that's the best part about british they don't take anything very serious they have a very good sense of humor they get these letters and they get to pick i'll have a consonant i'll have a vowel i'll have a thing and then they pretty much have to say how many words can you make from this thing or what's the highest word letter or something i didn't i couldn't even, i just had to figure it out in my own how it was played and then you move on and then there's a thing called it's a numbers game and you pick all these numbers you get a a big one or a couple of little ones or another big one, like 50 or 75. And then you have one, two, three, four, eight, whatever. And they have a ridiculously hot girl. Her name is Riley something. This ridiculously hot who wears hot clothing, turning the cards and picking them out. And they're like, Riley, can you pick, you know, this number for me and that? And I'm like, well, at least they, you know, they got that part right. You know, they also, they have a hot girl doing this part. Well, I was mistaken again because this hot girl is apparently a mathematical genius. So when the contestants do or try to solve the puzzle, she goes, well, here's the way you should have done it. And it's unbelievable. Let me just play you a clip. Okay, first of all, the girl's name is Rachel. I uh, miss, uh, I th what did I say? I said Riley. It's Rachel. I, was, I think I was thinking of another porn star because that's how hot she is. She's, this girl is gorgeous. Anyway. Um, one from the top and five little, please. Thank you for one large, five small. Coming up again. And for this one, they are one, four, nine, eight, seven, and big one, 25. And the target, 831. 831. Okay, so they have 30 seconds to get to 831 using all six numbers that she just put up on the board. You have to either multiply or add or subtract or divide to use all six numbers somehow. And you have to get closest to 831. And if you don't, she tells you how to do it, which is, I mean, you're just blessed with that as a human. Five seconds left. Well, Phil? Uh, I've got eight, three, two. And Simon? I lost that one, I'm afraid, Nick. Phil? Okay, eight times four. Eight times four, 32. Plus one. Plus one, 33. Times 25 is eight, two, five. It is. Good. Plus seven. Plus seven, one away, eight, three, two. Pretty good. Not quite there, though. Is it possible, Rachel? Eight, three, one? Um, Lots of ways for one away. Eight, three, one. Oh, I found it. Um, if you say seven times eight is 56, 
minus 4 is 52. 25 minus 9 is 16. Times those together for 832 and take away the 1 for 831. I mean, that girl's doing it off the top of her head. Oh, I found a couple ways. Here's one. And she's writing it on the board, like a dry erase board. This, the hottest girl you've ever seen, just doing these math problems. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. She's been on the show for like 15 years. I, I, I guess she, I think she's in her 30s. I think she started like really young. And uh, it's, I'm mesmerized by it, not because she's so hot, just to watch her brain work. These math problems, I could never be on a show like this ever for not even the word problems, let alone with the letters and figuring out jumbles. But wow, your mind has to be unbelievable. This show would never work in the U.S. I mean, maybe there's well, we know there's people out there, but they're just not interesting. But yeah, it's a hell of a show. And they just look comfortable and apparently on every afternoon for the past 30 years. But yeah. Watching this girl do this math is it's it's so entertaining. I will is have another it? look. So we leave a lynch in your eye. Um not that tricky. Um but it's eventually there if you say seventy-five plus nine is eighty-four. Three plus one is four. Times the two together for three hundred and thirty-six and add on the fifty. So not the easiest, not the hardest. Good for you. Well done. Three eight six. Four. Her name is Rachel Riley. That's why I got it wrong. But uh, she does sound like, that name does sound like a porn star. Um, anyway, I, uh, if you ever get to see it, it's, it's, it's on YouTube. You can, see, you can see her do it. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, really, you, you'll, I'm sure you would be just as amazed as I was. Uh, and now I want to play for you this thing I stumbled upon yesterday that made me laugh out loud so hard I had my headphones in and I felt... If I was in my living room and people heard me outside, they would think I was out of my mind just giggling because I wasn't talking. They didn't hear me talking on the phone. I mean, I was laughing so three times, like out loud cackling over this thing I am going to share with you right now. This is from 1991. It is our friend Rowan Atkinson, you know, who I love as the Black Adder. Or you might know him as Mr. Bean or, you know, in Four Weddings and a Funeral, him and Richard Curtis, my favorite director ever and writer and director. So they, Rowan Atkinson did this thing. It's, uh, I looked it up. It's called Hysteria 3. And it was like almost like an AIDS thing in 1991. They had a couple of benefits. So it's him and Elton John in this huge palace, uh, big seating. And he's just sitting on a chair with a clipboard pretending to be an interviewer. And, uh, you know, Elton John is seemingly pissed, but he's clearly in on the joke. And it's one of the funniest things I'd ever heard. I don't think you have to see it, but uh, goddamn, that Rowan Atkinson isn't just awesome. And again, the British, they're just so subtle and so easy and so well-spoken. That's what makes it even better, I guess. Good evening and welcome to the National Theatre for this, the third in our series of informal conversations with major performers. It has been a very exciting season so far, which has encompassed such performing giants as Sir Ian McKellen, Dame Judi Dench, and of course, Christopher Biggins. (laughs) But tonight we are to welcome a man who, although no giant, 
has nevertheless made a huge impression in his chosen field. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Elton John. Elton, do you mind if I call you Elton? No, no, it's fine. Good. Well, Elton. <laughs> I'm sure the first question that, ev that everybody would like to ask you is this. Funny name, Elton. <laughs> How did you come by it? Well, I used to be in a band, and uh, mm -hmm. I wanted to become a singer in my own right, and I, I wanted to choose a name, and the saxophone player in the band was called Elton, so I chose that name. Hmm? Did you ever consider John Elton? <laughs> no. You, you didn't? No. Okay. <laughs> right, well, let's start with those early albums, then. One of which, I believe, was called simply Elton John. Yes, that's correct. And you didn't feel awkward with the name at all? No. You didn't feel that people might say, wait a minute, they mean John Elton. Uh, they've cocked up the record sleeve and printed the bloody name the wrong way around. You didn't think <laughs> no, I thought it sounded great. And, you know, I, I thought people would be more interested in the music rather than the name. Hmm. <laughs> now, to the songs themselves, many of the lyrics were, of course, written by Bernie Taupin. Yes, that's right. Well, I'd like to talk about Bernie for a while, since obviously he's been an enormous influence on your career. Yes, he has, yes. Tell me, did you ever discuss changing his name? <laughs> because presumably, Torpin Bernie would have been more consistent with your Elton John. <laughs> Look, do you want to talk about the old songs or not? All right, all right, the songs. The old songs. Your song is a classic, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite popular, yes. Well, there is a verse in that song in which, talking about the eyes of the person that the song is about, you sing, Excuse me for asking, these things I do. You see, I've forgotten if they're green or they're blue. <laughs> yes. What I'd like to know is this. Is it this sort of chronic forgetfulness <laughs> that led you to forget that Elton is not, in fact, a Christian name at all? It is a surname. And, uh, and not a very attractive one at that. Let's talk about something else, shall we? Forget the name. All right, Mr. John. <laughs> Let's talk about being a stage performer, should we? Tell me, do you ever watch other performers and get jealous? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I follow you there. I mean, jealous of what? Well, for instance, Ben Elton. <laughs> you... well, I, I don't have to do this, you know. I just, I all right, all right. Look, I'm sorry. Look, I'm sorry. Go. All right. Fair enough, moving on then. M many consider your masterpiece, of course, to be the album Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. And there is one song that people are particularly moved by called called Candle in the Wind. 
Yes, a lot of people seem to like that song. Now, this song is, in fact, dedicated to Norma Jean Baker, who, of course, changed her name to Monroe Marilyn. <laughs> Marilyn Monroe. My point exactly. <laughs> Marilyn is a Christian name, so it comes first. Can't you see that? Are you word blind or something? I mean, it's... <laughs> I've had enough of this. Well, all right, sorry, no, 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 wait, please. I'm sorry. I've Steve, please. I'm, I'm sorry. It was my mistake. I'm sorry. There's only one more question to go. It won't take long, really. It won't take a moment. Sorry, there's only... I, I am... Please, sit down. One final question. You've obviously achieved enormous success over the years, but in fact, you didn't have a solo British number one until this year with a song called Sacrifice. Now, my big question is this. Surely... You wouldn't have had to wait so long for a number one if it hadn't been for your stupid, pointless, bloody name! Uh, then, <clears throat> then Elton John takes out a gun and shoots him and it doesn't go off, so he says, bang, it's, that. it's a horrible ending. But uh, tell me that's not brilliant. The guy does a five-minute comedy bit just with Elton John's name. It's so awesome. He's so funny, Rowan Atkinson. He never, he never budges. He's such a good actor, and Elton John was a good sport. And uh, boy, that I don't know. That made me laugh out loud multiple times, especially I guess when you see it, you see how mad Elton is getting, even though you know it's a gag. Or I wasn't actually sure until I definitely had to look it up and make sure. But um, boy, that was uh, very entertaining for me last night. What a find! And I was like, I'm going to play that tomorrow. I wasn't even looking for anything, you know. I was just like. This guy's all right. And before we go, just a couple of newsworthy events. Uh, number one, SNL, as you know, is tonight. And I was asking people if I was crazy, and they told me I was not. And it really just comes down to these spoiled fucking brats on Saturday Night Live who are just so angry that there's somebody who's a millionaire. And they're like, but there's so many poor people in the world. I'm like, who the? This is that 80 Bryant who now I am boycotting, absolutely awful. Everybody else is, you know, Pete Davidson's cool with it. He's like, uh, he goes, he says, I just don't understand why this is the dude everyone's so freaked off, out about. Davidson has claimed comedy is getting destroyed because of outrage over button-pushing jokes. He's completely right about that. Uh, they they mentioned the thing I told you about with Nora Dunn and Andrew Dice Clay, who's doing a character, and people were really angry at Nora Dunn. John Lovitz was like, she's accused, she's accused the cast of selling out if we do the show with them. But she was a horrible person anyways. Like I told you, I got locked in an elevator with her. She's awful. So there are these horrible young ones who are, well, let me get the exact, right. They're like, um, the only CEO I want to perform with is Sherry O'Terry, because it's CEO. I mean, I don't know who these fucking featured, these, what a bunch of assholes. And cast member A.D. Bryant retweeted Senator Bernie Sanders calling on a moral obscenity that the 50 wealthiest people in America today own more wealth than the bottom half of our people. What are you going to do? Yeah. So you're not going to, this is you being a, you make more than half of the people on the planet. You dumb idiot. You're on TV, you're in movies, you're making more... Shut up! Why would you even want to draw attention to that? You're on a goddamn TV show. Your life is charmed. During the pandemic, when they were doing the the Zoom videos, if you look at A.D. Bryant, she's in this 
house and this gorgeous house with lots of sunlight. It looked like things had paid off for her financially. The nerve of her picking on this, I'm not going to say poor guy, but I mean, it's just the wrong, wrong person to pick on. Grow the fuck up. Still really angry about it. I'm excited to watch the show today, and I think I'll be done with Saturday Night Live after that because I, I, I did now talk about pretentious. I mean, that is it. That is the end for me. What a bunch of assholes. What a bunch of fucking assholes that don't get it. That Great that they made it in their 20s or something. They seem to not get. There's lots of people that didn't get as fortunate as you and didn't meet the right people and weren't able to audition and be on a show like this who might be even more talented than you are, but for some reason, God has chosen you as our spokesperson, you dumb twat. Yeah, couldn't stop it. Also, the uh, Zoom, this is the best, the Zoom CEO, Eric Yan, he's tired of virtual meetings. He hates Zoom now. The guy who invented Zoom, he hates Zoom. He doesn't want to do any virtual meetings anymore. I thought that was kind of hilarious. But um, it's a pretty stupid thing to say, too. Uh, if you're the inventor of Zoom, you should just be like, yeah, we should keep doing this. Uh, that's when this guy has too much money, too, I guess. I assume he uh, he is now worth $13.2 So, right. According to Forbes, makes him ranks him number 133 on the list of billionaires. So I guess that's why he doesn't give a shit anymore. Plus, there's also a ridiculously hot picture of May, um, Megan Fox on the flip side of this. That's why, that's why I first saw the article. God, you got to love the New York Post. Yesterday, it was Megan Fox on page three, and today it was Kate Beckinsale. And this is why when Sarah says, why do you keep getting the post? Well, this is the exact reason why. And the other news today is that... the. Uh, Purina dog food is getting rid of Mighty Dog, which I didn't even know they made anymore. I just remember those commercials from the 70s. It's a, it's a dog food, Mighty Dog, but they're getting rid of it. And people are going crazy because, you know, when your dog is used to eating something, changing it sucks. So now they're charging, you know, of course it's on Amazon for $129 and and uh, or a hundred dollars for a can or something because it's going out of business right which is the stuff you should always just get on right away is buy all this stuff hoping things will go out of business i guess but you got to pick the right ones who would have thought it would have been mighty dog purina's mighty dog but that does suck when you know now being a, a previous pet owner when the thing that they like the most goes out of business what a disaster changing your dog's food is like the toughest thing that there is. Uh, but then they were saying, you know, it's landed in the same pet cemetery as Chuck Wagon. You remember Chuck Wagon and those commercials with the dog following that little Chuck Wagon uh, in the 70s? Remember Chuck Wagon? Yeah, that's gone too. So I guess this happens and you just got to deal with it. But the next generation of dog owners won't, you know, get that. But, uh, I, I could see how it would be devastating if, you know, this woman is saying, my dog only eats Mighty Dog. What do you want me to do? Of course, she's never tried anything else, but it's got to be difficult. My dog is a finicky eater and only really likes the Mighty Dog pulled chicken. Previously, I bought this in bulk, but recently, it, along with any other Mighty Dog flavors, have been sold out everywhere, aside from price-gouging third-market sellers. So too bad. I, I was given my cat Chuck Wagon. 
because that's what I know. Remember when I first got my cat, and this is why she got so fat, because I was feeding her Purina cat chow, because that's all I knew from the commercials until somebody said, when you feed her that food, it's like feeding her a Big Mac every day. And I'm like, yes, but my cat deserves a Big Mac every day, as do I. And then I had to realize, wait, I probably shouldn't have a Big Mac every day. So, thank God, somebody hit me to that dude. Sorry, nobody hit me to that dude. That is from Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Did anybody tell you that this is the private club of the Satan's helpers? Nobody hit me to that dude. And that's how we should totally end the show, in the sense that I came up with these two stupid things that nobody would know from each movie. The first one was the big picture an hour ago, and then nobody hit me to that dude. The Pee-wee's Big Adventure Show uh, movie. Anyway, whatever. I think that's our show for today. Now, the coming weeks, well, I guess there'll be more to report because, well, actually, no, I guess next Saturday I would record before I do the show. I'm doing an outdoor show. What is it, on 77th Street, 78th Street, whatever the West Side Comedy Club is, if you're in Manhattan, me, Elon, Dan Natterman doing an outdoor show on the street next Saturday, May, this Saturday, May 15th. So you'll want to come to that. I'm doing a virtual show the night before for my friend Vera for her school again on the 14th. So I actually have two paying gigs, you know, if you consider $20 payment. For the next two weeks, which is nice. And we have two shows that Saturday. I think there's another show after that I'll probably do a couple of minutes on. So it should be fun and it should be a pleasant evening, as so the weather reports say, 10 days in advance. And then, of course, I'll let you know when the mall shows are or any other shows. And, of course, you can always watch my 7 p.m. Tuesday night YouTube show called Comedy Seller Nightly. Listen to the Billy Joel podcast. There's plenty of Dave Jessica to go around for everybody. So that's a lot to do, and uh, hopefully I'll be going out more so I can have more stories and tales to bring to you because, my God, been grabbing at straws with really not seeing anybody or doing anything. So what's the point? But we still like bringing you to the podcast. We had some funny clips to play today, which were a lot of fun, and uh, that's all I can tell you right now. That's all I can tell you about my business. That's all I can tell you. Wait, what was it? God damn it. I can't remember. You just said it before. That's all I can tell you, Mike. Pick up intentionally. That's all I can tell you. Yeah, but so I can tell you, Mike. Meanwhile, he could have told them a whole. He could have told them the thing about Roth being the senator being part of Roth's thing before. But he goes, he keeps adding and stuff. He said that's all I can tell you. But so maybe he deserved to die. You're nothing to me now, Fredo. You're not a friend. You're not a brother. Whatever it is, that's what's happening to me. I'm Fredo, everybody, and this is Fredo saying good night, and I'll see you all next week. Good night, everybody. But then she knows.